I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Yeah. You played soccer at Iowa. Yes. Were you always the child that was super into sports or where did that athletic? Yes. I was always very competitive in everything. I have like no musical talent. So that's kind of out when you're competitive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Same. I was always athletic and I was always competitive. So it was always a good fit. I played a lot of different sports and I got an offer from the University of Iowa and I had a few other offers to play at smaller schools. And at that point in my life I think I was just like bigger better go yeah um, my dad also went to Iowa I had ties like I'm from the Midwest but I got there and I was like by far the least experienced soccer player I mean I was in so over my head I'd played growing up for kind of a local club team and then I did join a national level club team for two years which is how I got recruited late in high school but everyone else had been doing this like Olympic development program from Jeez. when they were little. And I didn't even know what that was. It was like, oh my gosh, who are these girls? Where am I? You know, first time like living away from home. And I think looking back, that's kind of the first extreme example where I threw myself in. Like I just throw myself into the deep, yeah. the deep end and then figure it out. And I don't always love that about myself, but I've done that so many times now. I think I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is clearly like who I am. Kind of like seeking out those intense and hard situations. If someone tells me something's hard, like sign me up, you know, taking a yoga class. It's like, if you want to try this inversion and like, I don't know how to invert. I'm not that good at yoga, um, but I'm always doing it and I'm always falling. And now that I think about it, like I don't really see other people fall in yoga class. So yeah, I think that was like the first example, big example looking back. And I, and I did figure it out, you know, like it was really hard emotionally, physically, but I, like earned a starting position and I played and it was one of the best experiences of my life too. like playing competitively with your best friends for four years is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think that stem from where your parents super throw themselves in the deep end type of people or where do you think that drive came from? Cause I think it's unique and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, yeah. obviously you're an entrepreneur um, that stems from. So was there an event in your life that you feel like kind of taught you like, Hey, it's okay to take this huge risk because you're going to figure it out along the way. I think part of me was always like that, like always competitive, always wanted to be first. I'm the oldest child. It's kind of typical. You hear that of oldest children. But I think my parents did a really good job like fostering it. Like, hey, it's okay to be competitive, but you have to be kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like all about winning, even if it feels like it. Yeah. Um. So I think and, and they they're competitive. They're into sports. So I always grew up around that, too. And then entrepreneur wise, like they both had their own businesses okay. separately. So I definitely saw it from an early age, the good and the bad uh, or the hard, I should say. So like my mom had a business um, that sold school supplies to teachers. Oh. And so their busy season was in the summer and my sisters and I would go like pick and pack in the warehouse to fill orders. We were little like middle school, elementary school. Um, So I was really exposed to it at a young age, but I also saw firsthand the challenges and I like really clearly remember some of my mom's challenges with finding the right people to work. She hated being busy in summer. Um, she wished their busy season was in the winter. So things like that. It was definitely had front row seat too. What's one of, what's something that you learned that was hard from watching both of your parents that you look at now in your business and you're like, okay, this totally makes sense. And maybe there's something that you've done to kind of overcome that or get ahead of that challenge or something that you would consider hard when building a business. Mm, that's a really good question. I think 
So one thing that they always said, like my mom would always say, no one's going to care about your business as much as you care about your business. And I think I had a very realistic expectation of that in deciding to open a clean juice franchise. Like I knew that at the end of the day, it would fall on me. And I think I really knew that and understood that. I'm not sure if everyone does, but you know, it's all about like my biggest challenge right now is finding the right people. Yeah. And slowly but surely we're getting there. Opening up was really hard. And that was why that was like the main number one challenge. So I think that's one thing. I don't know that it it probably should have made me like shy away from it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was more aware of things like that that yeah. would come up. The seasonality thing. So one thing that I love about Clean Juice is like it's not openly. And when I looked at franchises, I did. I, I thought, when is the busiest time of day going to be? And when is the busiest season going to be? I have two little boys. And like I'm not really available after 3, 4 p.m. Um, yeah. Because they go to a little like part-time day school and – um, I want to be with them. Yeah. And that's really important to me. It's one of the reasons I left my old career in finance to open was to have that flexibility, spend more time with them. And so if I picked a business that was crazy busy from three to eight, like, and in the summers I'd have to be in the store every day, like that wouldn't work well with kind of my life goals. We're going to dive a lot into franchising and I have a bunch of questions on your background, but I want to take you back to college. You mentioned before we hopped on here that now looking back on your life, you think there were a few things that happened in college that led you to this point. I want you to elaborate a little bit on that uh, for the audience. Yeah. So I think just one, like getting in over my head with a sport, putting myself in a hard situation and like figuring it out. One, it gave me a lot of confidence. And then also like, I just, I think hard is good a lot of times, like Hard creates things like pressure creates things and great things can come from it. It kind of taught me like hard is not bad. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't always mean it's the right path to just choose it because it's the most challenging or perceived to be the most challenging. But those were two big things. Later in college, I got hurt and um, I it forced me to be like, what are you going to do after school? Not that playing professional was ever something that was on my radar or could have been, but I um it was like, okay, you're not only a soccer player, like what else? And I know you had kind of a similar yeah. like journey and it's, it's hard. It's real your identity. Your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I found someone again, going back to the finding hard things, someone at the business school, I was a finance and accounting major. And someone said, this one group is like the hardest group to get into. So I applied, um, didn't get in my first year. They asked me what the Dow was at my, in my interview, like, what it was trading at. And I like, didn't know what the doubt was. I mean, oh, yeah, I was I all soccer <laughs> <laughs> and all sport. So, um, and it was an investment banking group yeah. that funneled into investment banking. And so I learned what the doubt was, where the doubt was trading at, why Step it mattered <laughs> um, and got in the next semester. And um, ultimately that led me into investment banking. I interned, I was able to intern because I was hurt and I couldn't play all summer long. Like we were kind of supposed to. And so I did a really intense summer internship that led into a full-time job um, that was my first job out of college was investment banking. And that was another like really intense situation. Yeah. I don't know just like a little bit about investment banking, but it's, um, kind of like a real estate agent for companies, the type of banking I did M and a. So one, a company would hire us to sell them and, um, we'd run a competitive process to try to like get our client who was selling the most money. It's kind of what you, there's movies on it and like yeah. books on it, but it's a little bit of like sharp elbowed finance world. Um, and so I worked for a large middle market investment bank and had a, we worked, I mean, legitimately worked in my cube, sitting in my cube a hundred hours a week most oh, times dear. for two years. It's crazy. It is truly nuts. Did you like it? I liked the work. I really liked my colleagues and the c- culture 
the hours are terrible, but you kind of get sucked into it. It's like your first job out of college. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be the best. Obviously, it's like in my DNA. Although everyone in investment banking is like that. Yeah. I said I would not date. And I ended up actually meeting my husband there. We worked like cube to cube. Wow. It worked out. Sounds like me. I'm like, I'm not dead. (laughs) So headstrong. (laughs) Yes. Um, So learned a lot. Ton of responsibility. Awesome first job out of college. If you want to just like go for it. Yeah. Paid well, like saved a lot of money because I never had time to spend it or do anything. And ultimately like the exit opportunities and kind of where it can get you is, is I don't know if there's a better career just like getting on kind of that high rising learning curve. So I left after, and this is really common, like usually do two or three years, get burned out, leave and go to do something else and maybe come back or leave and go to business school. I went into private equity I went into a small, lower middle market private equity firm in Dallas. My husband got a job in Dallas, which is what moved us both down here. He's from the Midwest, too. Oh, okay. Um, Where's he from? He's from Indiana. Oh, okay. Yes. We met in Wisconsin, and I went to school in Iowa. So it's like total conversation killer in Dallas. Yeah. Flyover states. (laughs) People are like, Indiana, like, uh, (laughs) I don't even know where to put it on a map. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I got a job with them, and it was consumer-focused. And we did a lot of investing um, in franchise and a lot of work around franchisors. And okay. that was kind of how I learned about what franchising even was. I used to just think like McDonald's. You know? Yeah. I had no idea how many franchises there were. Um, Which is, I think I've had a lot of, fr- I've, I've had a few people that have been in yes. the franchise industry on this podcast. And I'm going to take us back because I think you said something that's super important. Yeah. And I just had this thought when I was on the plane yesterday that every single valley in my life, anything that's been so hard for me to do has always led to the biggest personal growth, professional growth, whatever it is. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. What advice would you give people that are going through something hard or maybe they want to go into something that's hard whether it's taking a leap or taking a risk on overcoming that and having a good mindset going into it that's not fear-based yeah yeah I think first of all like not to be scared because like and I said this earlier but like hard is hard it's not bad it's not I don't think shying away from something because it's hard is like that doesn't make sense because so many good things can come from it I think to someone who's in it. And honestly, I'm kind of in it right now with clean juice. Like we haven't been open a year yet. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm coming out of it, but every day is hard. I think it's just like trying to be patient and trying to like, remember your why. Like I always have come back to my why and always What's like why? my big picture. Well, it kind of depends what it is. Right. Okay. But like with clean juice, I mean, ultimately like I'm really passionate about, about passionate about serving healthy food to people, especially to people that Maybe one thought like they couldn't eat healthy because they like don't like it. Like if you don't yeah. like a salad and then also to people that are in kind of like environments where it's harder to be healthy. So for me personally, that's been corporate mm-hmm. where you're really busy. It's really hard to eat healthy when you need to be fast and convenient. And then the other one is like moms. It's really yeah. hard to feed your kids healthy food because all they want is pizza and chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like universal. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of I I will say I feel like there's been a lot of development in healthy eating, which I think is great. But at the same time, it's hard to find a good balance of like, okay, you want your kids to like enjoy the not so great things Mm -hmm. so they learn it because I have seen situations where it's like if you're restricting like my parents always did a good job and I always lean towards healthy stuff now versus like really restricting the unhealthy stuff you can see it's like there's a full-fledged sometimes towards that uh you touched a little bit on moving into the VC and private equity which we're going to spend a little bit of time here because I'm super fascinated with this entire business and obviously I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship and startup so why did you make the move into VC and the PE world after 
being an investment banker? Yes. So investment banking is called the sell side and VC private equity is called the buy side. It's really like most people, I think, if you want to get into the buy side, you start on the sell side. It's a really natural transition to go get that sell side experience um, and then move into the buy side. The buy side is where, so two reasons, when you're selling a company, you work with them, you sell them, and then you're done. And I never liked that because I was like, I'm so invested in them. I love this client. I want to see all these growth plans that we helped put on paper so that we could sell them. It's like, who's going to do them? Like, what's going to happen? And I wanted to be around to like see that. Um, So with buy side, it's like you're buying a company. And then in my case, I was pretty hands-on like working with our investments, um, like at their offices a lot of case in a lot of cases. So it's like a longer term relationship. Um, you get to see more, like learn more about the um the founders and like what they're yeah. doing. And I don't, you just see more. It's it's less about selling them and it's more about truly like helping them take that next level to grow so that ultimately you can sell them. <laughs> Which is why I kind of left that as well. Yeah. Like I I just I'm not driven by that. Like I didn't get excited by the big deals. But yeah, so that to answer, does that answer your question? Yeah. Another question off of that. So being in the VC private equity, this is just new to me and there's someone listening to this that's also new to them. What are two or three things that you feel like the VC private equity taught you about business that you didn't know previously? Hmm. Oh, it taught me a lot. Um, (laughs) You can do more. But I think so. I mean, one of the things was just I'd never been in a position to lead a team. Okay. Um, I mean, I had like interns when I was in investment banking, but I worked at a burger restaurant, like trained, you know, our hostess, but that was it. Yeah. And so getting to work with like execs and who have been doing it their whole career and really their job like is their team, like managing a team, enabling people below them, like just being so close to that and sitting in the board meetings and like hearing, seeing them do that, I think the only way to really get experience is by doing it. But like the next best yeah. thing is to be around people who are the best at it and have been doing it for decades. So just like little things learning from them. Um, a lot of it come like a lot of the things I go back to are like, how are they empowering people? And then how are they like changing how they interact with people based on their strengths? Not Give just, an example. Like some people respond really well to very direct feedback and mm. frankly want that. They're like, stop with this fluff. Like that I'm is over me. you talking. Yeah, same. I'm that way. So my first instinct is to give that way same i have team members who don't they will shut down and they will feel like if i ask them to do something differently like the avocado toast if i give them a tip on how to spread the avocado it's like i personally offended them so i have to deliver it Mm -hmm. differently Mm -hmm. and it's worth it it's worth it to take that extra time to think who is this person and how are they going to receive this feedback best and how do i deliver it because it's going to make them better. It's going to make them like want to be there and work for me. And yeah, it's just like treating people how they they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. You know, that's one of the biggest learning lessons that I learned about myself because I would always get feedback on being direct and I always associated that negatively. And so I think sometimes I would not hide that side of me, but like try to overcompensate and try to add fluff around it but like even i mean you could ask the two producers like they people just can tell like when they talk to me like you're just direct you're to the point there's no way around it and so i started to like try to get more aware about how i was delivering things because i noticed i would just say things and it would and people would get offended that that was so mean i'm like 
but I'm saving you time. But in yeah. their mind, they yes. didn't care because they weren't. And so that's like one thing that I've really tried to learn. Yes. And I would say like, when it's, I own my own business, I'm really going to have to work on that because I just think, oh, well, why aren't you receiving it the same way me? It's like, no, they're a different person. They don't receive it that way. So that's something yeah. that I yeah struggle with a yeah lot. that's a big one that was like one of the most valuable experiences was just exposure in general to like yeah. people who are awesome at their jobs um and a lot of them were founders and what i was doing in private equity was like smaller companies so it was like always founder owned um and so that was that was awesome and i don't know like any other job where i could have had that exposure to so many different amazing people yeah so that was one thing and i think Another thing was like, and I still have a hard time putting this into practice, but if something's not working, you can't be scared to like walk away or you can't force it to work. It's like cut your loss and try something new. For me, I generally need to do that sooner. Like, and I've learned this a lot of times, but I'm like, if whether this person isn't working in this role or I don't know, this marketing thing isn't working, it's like, don't keep trying to force it. Just try something new. Why Um, do you feel like that? Why do you feel that is? Like, why do I do that? Yeah, why, do why do I force it? Yeah, this is something that, yeah. Gosh, I think it's a think, good lesson for people to learn because I try that too. Like yeah. you force things down and, and it's like, just let it go. Yeah. Let the situation go. Don't yeah. force something because it's only making it worse and it's delaying yeah. the not to yes. outcome. Sometimes but, I think it can be a pride issue. For me, I think a lot of times like I'm optimistic and I'm like, it can, yeah. we can do it. This can happen. And it's like, maybe, but probably not. Like, yeah. you know, um, and sometimes when you push at things like that, then it actually becomes not only is it not working, it's becoming like destructive or taking away from resources from something else that could be productive. Yeah. Whether it's a, a, like literally anything, a person hiring initiative, marketing, anything, a new menu item. It's like, it's not selling. Stop trying to shove it at people. <laughs> like, let's just make something new yeah. and put it in its place. Working with founders, what are the top two reasons that a business becomes successful that you saw from being on the VC side? Having, uh, I would say having like a passion. Okay. For sure. Passion. Not that it's necessary. Cause I also saw it where it was like the passion was around making a successful business, not necessarily mm-hmm. the product, but it's still a passion. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it, it matters. That was like universal. There was some type of passion there. And then hmm, I think one of the other things, I don't know how to how to put it into words, but it was just kind of like the having a well-rounded a business, a well-rounded business, whether it's by because you're just like so talented in so many areas and able to like discern in different areas and do it all, or you're surrounding yourself with people who can. Mm-hmm. But so my firm was focused in the consumer space. And one thing we saw that was really challenging in a lot of consumer businesses, definitely not all there's, um, but there are some founders who are maybe more like artistic, but didn't think the business side through. And so it was like, yeah, that product is legitimately probably the best in its category, but no one's ever going to know about it because the business plan and the costs that you've put together to support it. Like it, it can't be a business on its own. One example, like there was a cosmetic brand and like this product was amazing, but the founder was much more concerned with like spending all their money on images or like for marketing and, oh, like, okay. photographer than like reaching out to stores who could actually sell the product. So it's like, got it just prioritizing it's like one example yeah. but i don't know if that makes sense so it's kind of like that well-rounded so to answer your question passion and then knowing how to do everything or being able to figure out yeah. everything but just like some type of well-roundedness and a lot of people surround themselves with people that have that 
I was going to say that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is surrounding yourself with the right people because yeah. I tend to have the I can do everything mindset yeah. and I've quickly learned just through like going inwards and like developing self-awareness that it's just not true. And I do think the sooner that you recognize that, the easier it is to find someone that matches your energy and that yes. you can deliver. And it's always better than what you had in mind because you're not putting in 50% of it. It's yes. like it's to 100% efforts of people who are super strong willed into a situation so I think that's something that a lot of people can learn from yes and that's not to say like you're not willing to do everything or that sometimes you'll have to do everything because I also think that's really important like being able to roll up your sleeves and do it but at some point if you're going to be like successful by how most people would define their business like getting to that next level you're not you're you're not going to be able to um, because you can't do it at that scale like when as you scale your business like there's no way um so, yeah, it's kind of that balance between being able to, to try everything and roll up your sleeves and do the dirty work or the like different hard work that's uncomfortable. Like for a lot of people, they hate the IT. It's like, well, if you have your own business, like you're going to be handling some of that sometimes. Yeah. And then you can call the expert to like come in. But, come in and, and yeah. help. In terms of private equity, I actually just listened to something the other day that I thought was super intriguing and you might have mm-hmm. a different perspective on this. So in, in business, obviously, for people that don't know, it's like you can go out and, and ask for money. So like go VC, raise money, yes. or you can bootstrap a business. I want you to give one pro and one con to the VC world that you think a lot of people wouldn't know in terms like if they're starting a business so yeah like one pro advantage to having vc money outside of just like standard like okay they're going to give you 10 million dollars that's obvious yeah but like one pro that you think is unique and then one con to having vc money because i think there's a lot more cons than people recognize yeah so one pro um is i really think you can get awesome um experience and guidance if you take money from the right person um so it's more than just money it's like smart money. Um, sometimes people call it, but it's like you're truly getting someone who can add value to your business. So it's capital. Yes. Which is always valuable or usually valuable, valuable, but you're getting that ex- experience. Um, and it's kind of like me, like being around those CEOs, like yeah. you can learn so much from them and then, you know, have a lot of times like they'll have advisors at the fund or at the firm. So it's even more than just one person. It's like a whole host of experience. And oh, by the way, like this firm has made other similar investments that they've learned from. It's like, it's very real. I think if, yeah, finding the right, the right partner to take money from. And then I would say one downside can just be like, and it's, it's losing control of your company and it depends how you structure the deal. There's all types. Sometimes the money's like super passive. That's less common. Um, But a lot of times like there's going to be stipulations. And one of the common things like we would try, my firm would try to do. And we always partnered with companies where we were like partnering with the management team if it was a company that like needed a whole new team or like needed a restructuring, that wasn't a deal we would do. Okay. Um, so ours was truly like, you're awesome. We want to help you grow and be part of it. But I would say like a downside would be structuring a deal where incentives aren't aligned. So maybe like if the seller was um, or the founder was, you know, trying to make business decisions um, that were obviously best for like the long term of the business, mm-hmm. but the contract and how they get paid was based a little bit more on short term growth. Like that's where it gets really tricky. And I think it can. Yeah, that's where that's exactly. where and there's like regret a lot yeah. of times taking money, I would say. That's something that I've started to learn just through like 
obviously the podcast and like listening into this space because obviously I had no idea like my parents are not in entrepreneurship my mentor did raise some VC capital and his biggest thing was like the right person because he's and again like not, not to talk crap but like there's a lot of narcissistic yeah. people that are at the top yeah. and they're looking at one thing and that's dollar signs and they don't care about your business to right. your point earlier so they might have you do things that aren't aligned and if you choose that partner you're in over your head at that point because it's like you're indebted to them and so that's something that I'm not there yet, but I kind of keep in the back of my mind of yeah. like a little bit of fear around that VC space because I do think you're relinquishing control of something that you're so passionate about and like yeah. so involved in. Yes. Yes. And I mean, the good thing is there's always like ways you can reference check them yeah. um, like very public information like, oh, they sold this company. Great. Let's reach out to them and see what they have to say about um, the buyer. So or investor. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll also say like it's a huge world. I worked in lower middle market consumer um primarily and so i like i know that but my sister went to business school and they're all doing like different vc things i'm like i've never even heard of that business model so yeah it's like when you say private equity or vc and investing like there's a huge range in types of firms and um situations where how it can be set up so yeah also like just trying to it's worth the time if anyone's ever thinking about selling into that to like really get to know it and explore options and do your research yes did you raise VC money for your franchising or walk us through a little bit of how you a decided on? So how did you decide on clean juice? Yeah. And then I have a few questions around that. Yeah. Don't no, definitely not. It's pretty small. Like we have one store. um, We're looking for another, um, but it's, it's small. It's kind of meant to be for us. Um, Elaborate on that. What do you mean meant to be? How did you know that it was the right decision? Yeah. Okay. So I, um, it's a little bit of a COVID decision. Like everyone's okay. got their like COVID, you know, yeah. life change story. Podcast was mine. Um, yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, it's something. Um, it, it's a good thing, right? Yeah, At oh, least yeah. I didn't go the other way, like, um, yes, which could happen too. And it's totally yeah. understandable. But um, I always, so I had a, I had a son who was six months old when everything like got shut down for COVID. And I always sort of thought I wanted to be a franchisee. I'd met Clean Juice, um, the founder at a conference in Vegas, like a franchising conference and I pitched the concept to my partners at the time. And I was like, this brand's awesome. It's small, but it's like going places like we should get in early. And they were like, no, we don't like juice bars. And we didn't do food and Bev, to be fair. Like I was trying to make an exception. We did all consumer, but no food and Bev. Um, so I really liked the brand the first time I saw it, but had kind of a different mindset. Started thinking more about being a franchisee. I was really looking at, and I probably looked at like, I don't know, 400 franchise concepts, but like from my last job. Um, and then just personally, I've looked at a ton of Why franchise franchising. Concept. Um, well, franchise. So we invested in franchisors, my firm okay. that did consumer. So, and I spent most of my time in franchise industry. So you knew you liked that. Yes. And then franchising. So kind of said earlier how I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. I feel like I knew I wanted to do my own thing, but also have some sort of template, um, and not do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. So, um, like for going on a tangent, but last week our term, our point of sale, like register shut down, just stopped working. It's how oh, we accept payment. <laughs> so I like everything's I'm, free. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, for an hour it was. Um, so I'm on the phone with it. Cause like, I don't have an it team. I'm, or I'm on the phone with um, the, the ter- register. It's called toast is the brand. They're awesome by the way. Um, but they, I was on the, on the phone with them and their IT system and they're trying to help me. And I'm like, clearly this thing isn't going to work. They say, okay, it's under warranty. We'll send you a replacement within a week. I'm like a week. Like, do I close? Like, 
what do I do? Yeah. Um, and so I was able to go to Fort Worth. There's a clean juice there and they had an old one okay. that worked. So it's like you have that support. It's still very entrepreneurial, but there's some sort of template. There's lots of data, love data, love like yeah. a good, you know, index of what to expect um, year over year, week over week. It's not perfect, but it's something. Yeah. Um, there's a whole team of people creating marketing content that I can decide ultimately how to use. Um, so it's kind of a mix of like, having some but it's still ultimately yours at the end of the day so I really liked that um also like had um now I have two little boys and like wanted something where I could spend more time with them um and have a little bit of control of my schedule and also like I love the idea of having a business where they can grow up in it Mm -hmm. um and or see it the way I saw it yeah um so it's it's like cool to be able to do that I don't know if they'll how much they'll remember they're one and three but you know they will there's they'll see pictures of them like yeah so we'll see but um yeah so that's that's franchising and then I started looking at concepts in COVID I was like this is the time like this is the time to um to do it and was really into the auto industry like auto franchises have really high return on investment okay um fact yes and then um in COVID was like okay I don't know anything about cars, can't even change my own oil. Like, I want to do something I care about. How am I spending my time? How am I spending my money? Was at a place where, um, you know, I could afford to make a decision like that that was a little bit more passion-based. Um, and so as much as it is an investment and it's absolutely a business, it's also something I really care about. Yeah. Um, when I had my first son, I got obsessed to a crazy degree about what I was putting in his little body and um, organics really important to me. And the more I learned about, about that and I um, ingredients are really important to me. I think one of the problems that one of the reasons it's hard to eat healthy is because it's hard to know what healthy actually is. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different opinions, but there's also like a lot of different products that are marketed as healthy and they're clearly not not healthy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that sucks. Like it's very unfair to people um, to be like, okay, you need to spend hours learning about how to read nutrition labels um, so that you can choose a healthy food at the grocery store. Like that's not practical. That's not going to happen. Even in like almond milk, it's like you think it's healthy and then you look at the back and It's insane how yeah. much stuff is shoved in there. And that's why I'm like, just stick to the basics. Simple, yeah. Simple ingredients, simple things. Yeah. You know, at least like, okay, kale, there's only kale in that bunch yeah. of kale or like lettuce, little things, but even yeah. anything boxed, it's hard to know. It's so hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a ton of time and education. Yeah. And like I'm not formally educated in nutrition, but I've spent yeah. hours and hours and hours like reading learning, listening to podcasts, different things um, Yeah, because I care about it and I geek out over it and it's fun for me. But that was kind of what started like my truly caring about like what's healthy and ingredients at like a really detailed level. Um, So I kind of kept coming back to this clean juice idea. So for example, I mean, the clean juice menu is like very clean. We're the only certified organic restaurant in Dallas, which is crazy. Um, The only certified organic juice bar like nationwide, which is kind of crazy. People don't realize that, that not all juice is organic. Um, So that's, that's like the difference um, at a product level. And then it's a Christian based company. Um, So that was like a huge draw for me and um, also gave me a lot of confidence in the founders and where they were leading the company and how they were making decisions um definitely care about franchisees profit but it's like we won't sacrifice our high quality menu to make an extra buck because we're using some a different ingredient yeah um and that matters to me because that matters to me as a mom and it matters to me as a consumer and i'm like proud to serve our products to people and i think that's why like our products can really 
like ultimately change someone's life. Yeah. And it sounds corny. And I tell my team this all the time. I'm like, you're not just smoothing, like serving smoothies and cleaning drains. Like you are potentially like saving someone's life. Honestly, I truly believe that. Um, And it's not going to be every day or every person that walks in the door, but it is some people. Yeah. Um, And it's cool to like have that bigger picture. And when ultimately it came down to it, me investing my money, investing my time, opening a business, like I had to have that. Um, that piece so you of it. did invest your own money into what you did not yes okay yeah mm-hmm. why did you make that decision um some of it's just like practical we did take out a small business loan okay. um and it was just like easily available at the time yeah. um i feel like pretty comfortable understanding debt um from yeah. my past experience so we did that um i might do i might do it differently going forward but yeah it wasn't it wasn't like a big enough investment for us to take on like try to find other investors got it yeah yeah it's important and there's so many people that have like I interviewed one she's like we paid for everything like we bootstrapped the entire thing I've had a lot of those people on and then I've also had other people who have outside funding or I've heard of them Mm -hmm. like going on Shark Tank and trying to find outside funding so I I do think it's important for people to like recognize this is something that I think about all the time yeah when I start a business is like okay am I gonna use my own money am I gonna go somewhere else because there is that level like these are things that you don't think about until you get there and you're like oh like you need capital like yeah money is king although some people don't want to call it out it's like you need the money to get to where you want to go and I do think there's certain levels in business like once you get to a certain point you're like okay I can't grow unless I have an extra two million dollars yes uh but i just think it's important and i like that obviously you do you feel it's easier to use your own money in franchising um man i think loans can just like be one extra thing or investors can be one extra thing to deal with but it totally depends on the model it depends on the cash flows it depends like how long you're going to get to that break even mm-hmm. what the initial investment is like it just depends what's one pro and one con to franchising that you've noticed since you've started yeah um, well, I kind of touched on like how there's some support or mm-hmm. you, like you have some some help. Um, and so I think that's one. But I, one that I didn't expect was the community. It's kind of lonely, like having for me, like I don't have a business partner. My husband's my moral support, but like put him in the juice bar. Like he would just be standing there. He can answer the phone. Um, but yeah, he doesn't. You know, it's me. So um, I think like having other franchise partners who are going through it, and it can be like one on a practical level, like what did you do? do to deal with xyz problem mm-hmm. and then two like i'm having a hard week so i'm gonna call like my girl in houston who we opened around the same time and you know she's gonna like pick me up and um that's been awesome for me and i didn't expect that like needing that um yeah or how valuable how valuable it would be i think i also have it with business owners in dallas who i've like gotten to know or friends mm-hmm. that have opened their own thing but that's kind of become my like um community at work yeah so not just franchising, I guess you can have that other ways, but that was, that's a big one. And then, um, con, I mean, you have, and I know you had, um, when the edible arrangements podcast you had, oh, yeah, his yeah. big thing was like, you have to buy into the system. Like you're buying into their everything. Yeah. So there's definitely things the franchise does where I'm like, either feel like I'm just along for the ride and it's like a game of crack the whip. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. Like I'm at the end of the whip, just like I don't know what to expect. <laughs> um, but for the most part, like they're really good at communicating. I did a lot of diligence on the franchise. I knew what I was buying into. So there's decisions that um, they make that I don't like fully agree with, but I also don't fully understand because they're the ones with the data yeah. and like the day of the experience. And so, um, you know, it's what you sign up for. 
one thing that I've heard across the board and you seem like a very like independent person in nature. And I, again, I was thinking about this last night. These episodes are always well-timed, but I do think it can be lonely journey. And I never really recognize that because I haven't been fully into it like this podcast, but I was reflecting on that last night because I'm so used to like having coworkers and bouncing ideas off of it. But Mm -hmm. when you're at the top, it's like you have people that you can go to below you but in a sense you're like you're not really asking them for advice because it's like they're coming to you for advice yeah. so is, is this navigating and I think that's why I put such an emphasis on like meeting people like you and all the entrepreneurs I have on because I know one day when I get there I'm going to need their support and guidance yeah. I'm like what am I supposed to do in this situation yeah because there's only you know a handful of people that are doing it and it's not always like a one size fits all yeah situation either yeah I think it's like necessary for kind of like sanity um and also so practical for businesses like i'm such a big fan of like a rising tide rises all ships yeah and um i find that smaller business like mom and pop kind of founders or founders like smaller businesses or who are in it at this stage where i'm at still pretty new um are believe that too and like mm-hmm. i came from a world of many more where it was n- not uncommon to find sharp elbows And that's not the world that I've like found since opening clean juice. I have some really good girlfriends who own their own business and we're actually trying to get a group together, like a female business owners in Dallas to have kind of a social event, but also like some structure around like, all right, this week it's like your turn or like a few of your turns to share your pain points. And let's just like brainstorm, but also like let's, drink wine and commiserate a little bit yeah because <laughs> it's hard um so you should definitely do that invite me yeah yes <laughs> okay. yes i will we are yeah i will it's i i need to prioritize that because i think it would be super valuable valuable for business valuable personally but yeah that group and it doesn't have to be people that know anything about a podcast like yeah. it can be you know just people that are doing their own thing like it, that or anything like you can relate in a lot of different ways to all types of entrepreneurs i think yeah yeah and it's not there's certain conversations that I have where I'm like, wow, that really resonates. And there's others that I'm not, but I think you hit on something that's super important, like finding people that are at the same stage as you are versus like, if you're, if someone's been doing this for 10 years, like their challenges are a lot different than what someone who's just starting going out. So surrounding yourself with people who are around that same eight, not age, like literal age, but like age of a business. Like more of a peer relationship and like a mentor mentee, I think like both are important separately what's one of the biz- bi- biggest obstacles that you've faced since opening outside of hiring i'm going to challenge you to a different one because we've yeah. heard that uh and then how did you overcome it our biggest challenge so where we're located um we're hidden we don't have awesome we have no visibility um i picked it because it's like a perfect location in every other way um but we're still figuring out how to overcome that I'd say it's like getting a little bit creative with marketing. So because we're hard to find, like people aren't going to see us when they're flying down 75. We're right Mm -hmm. off of um, 75 and Walnut Hill. So two like busy roads and we don't have street visibility because we're like in a courtyard. Yes. Um, I love the pokey place right there. Yes. We're right there. (laughs) Yeah. You know where we are. Yeah. So um, it's been thinking and, and it's going like slowly, but how can we go out to bring people into us. So it's thinking about that from a marketing perspective, like sending them a physical BOGO so that they come into our door. That was like really effective. We did that recently. Um, And now they know where we're at. And now they know that they can come to a place where it's easy parking. It's very convenient once you know we're there. Um, And then the other thing is um, we are like across the street from a huge hospital and have tons of healthcare. And so I've just been like trying to um, really grow our catering. 
and do that in creative ways to like incentivize people to order from us and make it really easy for them. And that's something where I'm kind of on my own because Clean Juice is not a huge catering brand. Um, We have like, it should be, I think. I'm obviously biased. (laughs) Um, We have like wrap, salad, smoothies, salad, um, acai bowls, all that stuff. Um, It's been really popular and well-received. It's just trying to like build awareness there because it doesn't really matter if we're hidden when we're delivering huge orders outside of us. So those are two examples. But I mean, we're not, we haven't even been open a year. So a lot of it's just been like being patient and Mm. kind of what I mentioned earlier, if something's not working, like, okay, try something new. Keeping like budget in mind and time (laughs) as a resource in mind. But what advice would you give someone on being patient and trusting the process? Oh, God. I don't I'm not I'm always I'm working on it but I'm a Christian and so like for me and I think like believing whatever it is but like believing in something bigger and for Mm. me it's like he's got me I'm I'm here for a reason um I really felt called to open clean juice and I think like there's a chance that I was called to be here and to open it because it's not gonna work and I'm gonna learn something from it like I don't think that's the case and I'm certainly you know i but that could happen. Like, look at what COVID did to a lot of businesses. I mean, that can always happen. Um, yeah. But, I, like, at the end of the day, like, it's one day at a time. I'm putting one foot in front of the other and um, just kind of, like, finding, trying to find peace or feel the peace that I am where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so I, that's a big one. And then also just going back to your why. Yeah. Like, okay, today's sales were terrible, but that one person came in and started crying when she saw that we had, like, vegan granola because she feels like she can't eat anywhere in Dallas and now knows like we're vegan friendly you know so whatever it is but just trying to focus on that I think um, this is kind of a tangent but I was thinking about this on the way here advice I got from another business owner just like feeling stressed about all these different things to do she's like okay like when a problem comes up like play out the worst case scenario because it's probably not as bad as you think Mm -hmm. play it out in your mind that's your worst case and then I think also on the flip side, playing out the best case scenario. Can I tell like a story? Yeah. Oh, a yeah. Tangent? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Tim Tebow's a um, oh, God, a brand. Love him. <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up. I saw him and I'm like, hello. He walks across our menu like once an hour because we have these like digital menu boards. So he's a brand ambassador. Yeah. And he's also a franchisee. And he spoke at the franchise conference. Um, and he told this story about, and I don't even know if it's true. I'm, I'm going to totally butcher this. He's an amazing speaker. Um what he does but he told a story about like a cathedral in london in like the 1600s or something burned to the ground and the worker who was overseeing the project walked around to all the foremen and was like hey like to one of them he said hey what are you doing and he said i'm stacking bricks and he walked around to another guy who was working and said what are you doing and he said i'm building a wall he walked to the third guy and he was like what are you doing and he's like i'm building a cathedral to honor god and like they were all doing the same thing it's just that perspective And like, I bet you that third guy came to work every day with a smile, like pretty pumped about what he was doing. And like the first guy probably kind of hated his life. Like it's perspective. Um, And so trying to keep things in perspective helps me work on my patience. (laughs) How can someone change their perspective on life? Because I, if there's one thing I've learned, that's the most important shift that you can make internally to shift everything else around you externally. Yeah. I mean, for me, and it's hard, like, uh, you know, on a daily basis, I'm like changing a lot of dirty diapers and like in the weeds with my kids and the weeds with this business. Um, But my mantra has been like, has been long days, short life. 
um i don't know and i don't even know where i first heard that but i think like listening to for me it's like sermons and podcasts and surrounding yourself with people that have it that have that perspective like i think it's a constant like Mm -hmm. it's not just one thing you hear and you're like now i have a great perspective for the rest of my life like it's a constant um you know picking yourself up and lifting your head up and seeing the world that way and for me like it it does come from surrounding myself with people um or things that are pouring into me that bigger perspective yeah you are the i said this before like you are the five closest people near you and as i've gotten older and as i've matured i've started to really be super cautious about that because if you let the wrong people into your life they're usually the louder ones and then you notice how it and like for me it literally affects me physically like I feel it I'm like oh you like kind of contract like there's just something in their energy I'm like I just and that's been my life the last six months I'm like I just need to like this is not what I want like I don't this is not the people that this isn't the energy like there's just certain situations I'm like I know I need more yeah and once you're around those people like oh my gosh it lights me up in such a different way yeah and then allows you to when they're optimistic you're like I want to be like them I don't want to be like Sally who's over here crying because she tubbed her toe or whatever it is yeah so yeah that's super important yeah in terms of failure, I think, and this is something that I've noticed about myself through a ton of inward work is that like I do have a lot of fear around situations. I think it stems from wanting to control the outcome because I want it to be positive. I'm kind of like you. I'm very optimistic. How, what advice would you give someone on fearing failure in particular and how do you overcome that in your personal and professional life? I mean, it's still something like I, you know, worry about when things go wrong, um, but I like I do I play out that worst scenario and a lot of times it's not as bad as you feel like it is in your head um I don't know but I don't know I'm still (laughs) figuring it out let me know if you hear anything good (laughs) it's hard to overcome because it's just it's a feeling and so for me sometimes it's sitting with it and kind of doing what you're doing what's the best case scenario and then what's the worst case scenario and I think once you recognize what the worst case scenario is it makes that risk or that step to get through it that much easier because you're like okay it's not that bad like worst case scenario I lose $500 okay you can go make $500 it's not like everything is going to break down in front of you so that's something that I try to tell myself because I still can sometimes like lean into fear instead of I mean I still push through it but there's times where I catch myself I'm like stop doing that like stop backing up instead you just need to charge through the situation yeah and I think some of it does come from like like finding confidence when you achieve something or when you push through it like look back on that and it can be as small as like so I teach um yoga sculpt and I am such a believer that and I didn't appreciate this when I was playing sports growing up although looking back like getting knocked down and getting back up through that like as small as the incident might have been was super valuable but I tell my class this all the time I'm like do something hard in here and uh, and push through it Mm -hmm. and I promise you like it will translate outside these walls and it sounds corny but like do it enough like you are going to get good at pushing through hard things it might start physical but i i think so finding that and then remember that like be proud of yourself for that um you know tell yourself like i can do hard things i can do things that was freaked out whether it's going upside down in a headstand or like doing push-ups on your toes like it sounds corny but those are small wins that i such a believer can translate um oh one thousand yeah yeah you know yeah i think about it all the time when i'm running and i get to the point 
like on Monday, I was like, I thought I was going to make myself throw up because I was like trying to hit this time or whatever. And then after I was like, I can do so many other things after this. Like once you push yourself and you push your body to a point of like, you're doing something really hard and you're challenging yourself. And I think that was what really shifted in me. I think sports had a lot to do with it, but I feel like that's where a lot of my confidence, like my hard headedness Mm -hmm. came from was like, I've done so many things that are hard on my physical and mental, like mental and emotional body through sports and like through losing and through winning just so much stuff that I feel like even my parents would like push me through. And at times I was like, why are they pushing me? And now looking back, I'm like, if I would have quit when I wanted to quit, I would have never learned all the lessons along the way, which I think is so important for people to take away. And we kind of touched on like the lowest of lows in your life are usually leading to something more. And it's just recognized like in those hard moments, you're a step a day, a week, a month away from an outcome that if you just keep moving, you're going to be there. Yes. Yeah. And it's going to be so much greater than you could ever imagine. This is yeah. what I tell myself. <laughs> it is. It's an optimistic perspective, but yeah. like that's what gets you to the next level. So like just keep going to the next level, like leveling up that way, you know? Yeah. What's one thing that you didn't know about yourself before starting a business? Ooh. Do um, personals. Like if, there, if there's something yeah. that you thought about yourself and then you started a business and you're like, wow, I had no idea that this was either how you reacted to a situation or just like a personality trait that you feel you've learned. Hmm. Um, I would, I would say like, so I've always known and, and I think I am very independent, but like, man, I need other people in my life um, to lean on in other areas. And I've had to, delegate more whether it's just like practical tasks or like I mean my husband's been so supportive and like he is he is Mr. Patient and he is um yeah he's just supportive and he has like this big picture perspective so when I would come home upset about the day or some small thing that happened he's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sometimes some days it was like just listening to me Mm -hmm. letting me you know vent and some days it was like I don't want to hear that until Like, we'll talk about it in six months. And if you still feel that way, like, then we'll make a rational decision. But, like, you cannot make a business decision based on one day, you know? Um, Emotion versus So, yeah, I just need, like, I need people. Yeah. And I've, it's been the most humbling year of my life. Um, So we signed our franchise agreement and found out two days later we were expecting our first or second son, um, which is awesome. But so nine months pregnancy. And then like we agreed to open a franchise in nine months. So it's like two things stacked on top of each other. Um, construction delayed us a little bit. So it was a little bit staggered, but I had a baby and opened a business like right on top of each other um, and had a one-year-old at home. And it's a, it was a lot, like it was too much. Um, so I guess that's actually another thing. Like learning and I feel like I've learned this before but I have to relearn it every few years apparently like <laughs> love that the lesson there's a TikTok trend it's like why do you keep teaching me this lesson I'm like that is literally me it's yes. like the same lesson over and over yes like, calm I down. truly like, got it <laughs> yeah every few years I'm like reminded that like you need to choose to take a step back and yeah. it's okay it's like nothing new in 2022 that was like my goal yeah. <laughs> or my plan I guess and I did I, nothing new in 2022 so how do how do you balance the two having a family and then running a business or do you have advice or man um it's totally day by day but I think just like again like having that support in place um is huge um but it's prioritizing like if I've got to leave if something's going on at the store but I have to go pick my kids up like I have to go pick my kids up 
Um, having the right team in place at the store has been huge. And then just making decisions that align with ultimately your values because you can't do everything. Um, some days you can, yeah. but sometimes you can't and things come up and like just feeling okay knowing that you made a decision that maybe wasn't the best for this because it was best for that. I mean, there's trade-offs. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer. <laughs> compromise. This yes, is another compromise. lesson that I uh, am definitely going to learn. The, yeah. the day that I get into a relationship, it's funny because, well, you know, uh, Laura, obviously, yes. but her boyfriend was like, I think compromise is going to be something you're going to need to learn. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're telling me because I'm so used to when you're so used to doing things on your own. It's such a big adjustment. Even I was just home with my parents and like, I like to do cer- things certain way and my mom does too. And then it's like, two hard heads come together because yeah. like she wants to cook this way and then I want to cook this way. And I'm like, yeah. I usually just bail out because I am like pretty passive in some things. Like if, if, if it's not, if I don't care that much about it, I'm like, whatever, yes. okay, I'm over it. But I, that is one thing that I notice of like compromise yeah. and understanding what's worth the fight and what's worth the energy and what's just better to walk away. I'm the same way. Like I can't necessarily turn my competitiveness on and off. I'm just not competitive about certain things mm-hmm. and I'm hyper competitive about some things. So yeah, I'm like that too, like passive in some ways, but I do like to your point, I think compromise is huge, but like, it's like your friends when you find that right, those right people and that right group, like you're pumped for them. You're pumped to do things for them. Um, you know, you struggle with them and it's, uh, yeah, finding the right person. You mentioned a little bit that you're super into yoga and fitness, which I know that's how I met her. Um, what are certain things or habits, daily things that you do for yourself personally that you feel make you the best mom, wife, and business owner? Yes. Um, for me, like sweating or being active enough like to break a sweat, like doing something hard like that every day if I can. Um, this past year, I've not done it every day, but like every few days. Uh, my husband will be like, you need to go to yoga today. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got the boys like you need to go. Um, that just keeps it keeps me me mm-hmm. um, and it helps me show up the best. I also like love like in yoga sculpt. I love feeling strong mm-hmm. um, in the room. And I think, again, like it, I can take that with me outside the four walls gives you confidence. Um, so that's the biggest thing. It's just like being regular about moving my body. What's the biggest piece of advice that you've gotten in your life that you want to relay to the audience? Man, I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, I think, and I don't remember the words my parents used when I was younger, but I had kind of mentioned like how I was so competitive and my mom tells a story about she had play hosted play group and she brought cookies out and I like immediately grabbed the biggest cookie and it's like, like no no like you let your friends (laughs) grab one first and you wait but it's this mentality that like rising tide rises all ships I think having that in business and having that in life like it's makes it all better it makes it all more enjoyable yeah um and for someone who's competitive like I do think that can be hard and maybe not the innate like place you go um when you think of winning and being on top by yourself but like it doesn't have to be that way I think this is from 
sports because there's only usually one winner and everyone else is a, a loser in a situation, like to b- put it very bluntly. Yeah, and I think that translates to business. And so you think that if you're, you have the top and everyone else below you has to lose. And that's what I've noticed about myself. It's like, no, 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 no. You kind of got to kick that there. You need to like drive with that competitive nature, but just because you're winning and you're succeeding doesn't mean that you're taking away from someone else's pie. And a guest said that. And ever since then, I've like completely switched my mentality because it is so true we're hardwired to think that if we're winning everyone else is a loser when in reality when it comes to business there's I mean obviously if you're going into a super saturated market or there's certain things but the book I'm reading right now is like if you're better or you're different you're going to be successful that's all you have to do it's really simple and so I think that's super important and that's something that I try to like rewire my brain it's like it's okay yeah sports teaches you kind of one way I mean, unless you're on like a team sport, um, but either way, it's like this win versus loss where it's now it's like, okay, if you're winning, someone else can also win yes. alongside you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, juice is a super saturated market mm-hmm. um, in Dallas. There's tons of healthy options. I mean, I mentioned we're the only certified organic, which is like, so basically means we have that stamp you see at the grocery store yeah. on our menu. Um, but like, I love other people that are like, oh, I go to this juice bar on the other side of town. And that's how I first learned about juice. I'm like, awesome. Like they just educated. They did the hard part. Like they educated someone on what the power of a juice cleanse or the power of eating a healthy Mm -hmm. smoothie for lunch and sneaking your spinach in that way can do. Like that's the hard part is educating someone on that. And now they're coming to me and probably going to them too. And at the end of the day, like I want the world to be healthier. I want this country to be healthier. Um, and I want like families in my local community to be healthier and to be able to like enjoy it, do it in like a fun, easy way. Um, and so it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really matter like how many others there are. I mean, when I picked my location, I was like, this is great. There's no one around me. Yeah. It's certainly something to consider in that way, but it's not worth like sabotaging another business. I would love to meet the founders of like, there's another um, local like juice bar in Dallas that started 10 years ago and I would love to meet them and like pick their brains and I think it's awesome what they're doing who is it the gem juice bar they're like have a couple locations on the doesn't, hallway doesn't she go to ritual one yeah uh-huh. okay yes yeah yes I was so gonna I say, know I could I, sh- I should I really should she's super nice okay she's good. super nice I haven't had her on the podcast but I used to just like yeah. take next to her and she was always okay, so good. nice I, and sh- like I really in. should then yeah, yeah I should do that because I like love what they've I think it's amazing that they started a concept like that 10 years ago um when it was so new and like so foreign to most people. Yeah. So, yeah. And I hope they would feel the same about me. Like, yeah, you know, that they're pumped that we're feeding people healthy food on the other side of Dallas. Yeah. So, doing it a different way. Yeah. Pimp yourself out. So I have one final question that's everyone. But before we get there, pimp yourself out. So where can people find you? If you do any discount codes or anything, like tell the audience where they can find you. I'll put yeah. everything in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so our location, well, on social media, we're Clean Juice the Hill, Dallas. Um, and we're located at Walnut Hill in 75. Um, I mean, if anyone's interested in like juice cleanse, catering, any of that stuff, just DM us and um, happy to like give a discount and make um, make it work for whatever needs there are. We're growing our business. And so I love like supporting other local businesses. And mm-hmm. I it means so much when people support you as like an entrepreneur. I'm sure yeah. you feel this, but yeah. We've had days where someone will come in and buy like a five day cleanse and I want to hug them. <laughs> I, I won't. I promise I won't. But yeah, like, hey, you know, you're like so grateful for every little thing and every yeah. little intro. Um, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll put all of that in the show notes. And then the last question that I ask everyone is Sarah, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for my health and my family's health. Yeah. 
I am going to piggyback off her. I know I say this in every episode, but the last four weeks, I am grateful for the financial stability that I do have and then also for my health and my family's health. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you. So fun. 